Thank you for being here this morning. You are what we'll refer to today as the super Christians, um, because not only did you ring in the new year last night, but you also survived a Buckeyes loss at midnight, and uh, everybody else that's watching uh, online now, I'm sure there's a few of them or those that watch later, um, we're judging you. So... I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I am going to start a petition, though, next year. We're going to start a new thing in America, Year's Eve, um, where we ring in the new year at 1159 as it turns over to noon um, instead of midnight because I'm too old now, as all everyone in here. We're too old for this, just if we're on the same page. All y'all were walking in today, and I could just see it on your face that you were up way too late, and uh, we can't do this anymore. So next year, we're going to do an, a noon um, New Year's Eve, and when I run for president someday, that's going to be my platform, and we'll just take a full sweep of the nation with that, I guarantee it. Uh, Psalm 41 today, this has been a message um, that I've preached every New Year for the last three years. It's kind of become tradition here at Living Hope, and uh, as I was praying a few weeks ago and just asking the Lord, Lord, what do we do for this first message of the New Year next week? We'll be back in Romans for about five weeks. Um, God always leads me back to this. Because I want to remind us why we started this thing known as Living Hope, and uh, that's where we're going to be today. So if you will stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word as we talk about the main thing this morning, Psalm 41, the first three verses, David writes these words. He says, happy is the one who is considerate of the poor. The Lord will save him in a day of adversity. The Lord will keep him and preserve him, and he will be blessed in the land. You will not give him over to the desires of his enemies, and the Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. You will heal him on the bed where he lies. Let's pray. God, we love you. Fathers, we just were reminded a moment ago, no better way to bring in a new year than singing the praises of the one who is worthy of our praise. It's Jesus. You got to pray now as we walk through the scriptures together this morning, God, is the first act of our, our new year. God, that your spirit would be among us, that your spirit would teach us from your word. God, that you would mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. If there is a New Year's resolution that all of us should have, Lord, it says Devin just prayed, we want to be more like Jesus this year. And so, God, would you just uh, convict us of sin this morning? God, would you show us areas where we need to be walking in deeper obedience to you? God, would you give us ears to hear from the scriptures this morning, soft hearts, not just to be hearers of the word, but God, that we would receive your word and then do something with it. God, we don't want to just consume the scriptures. We want to be those that walk in sync with Jesus. So God, go before us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the phrases, as I have many of them I've learned over the last few years, one of the favorite things that I say a lot around here, and many of you have heard me say this, is that God can do a lot with a dot. That when we think of the living hope story, and we were to put us on a map, that although we're this small dot on this map, that God has chosen for some reason to do some pretty amazing things through the people known as Living Hope Columbus. And I want to remind us this morning from Psalm 41 and various scriptures of the reason why we exist, why this church was started. We said this a few weeks ago on Vision and Big Give Sunday that Living Hope exists. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. And everything we do as a congregation, as a church, has flowed from that mission. It's hard to believe. I was thinking about it this past week. Uh, you guys were very gracious to myself and Pastor Joe, and we always take the week between Christmas and New Year's off to spend time with our, 
our families uh, during the holiday season, and it kind of struck me just a few days ago um, that in two weeks, January 15th, Living Hope will turn five years old, five years and one day old, actually. January 14th, 2018 was the first service that we ever had, um, first public gathering of Living Hope Columbus. And some of you that were with us during those early days, I, I was thinking back, and you've heard me tell this story before, so if this is white noise to you, just give me just a moment. Um, but in those early days when we were starting this thing and trying to figure out uh, who God was calling this church to be, right? Everybody, every church has that same mission that we want to help people find and follow Jesus, but the way that we do that is very unique. There's unique expressions of the local church all around the world, and every church has to find that DNA and identity. And so Pastor Joe and myself approached a lot of organizations, as many of you did on our behalf, and we asked that question, how can we help? Some of those early days, we just would ask people, can we pick up trash for you? Is there, is there something like that that we can do to assist your organization? But there was a moment in those early days that really fueled a lot of our, our church and our ministry and the DNA of Living Hope Columbus, because early in the process, we sat down with a very close nonprofit to us known as One Dublin Welcome Warehouse back then. And you've heard me tell you this story before. They were providing mattresses to families who were, were in need all across the Dublin School District, even extending out occasionally into Northwest Columbus to deliver those mattresses using minivans to do it. It was the most inefficient way to deliver beds. If you've ever tried to put a queen mattress in the back of a minivan, it's, it's, it doesn't work. It's very difficult to do. And so they're making several trips. Our church had been blessed uh, with a 14-foot box truck a few months before, so we offered up our assistance, and many of you helped with that process. But after a few months of doing that, we, we really believed that there was a moment that occurred that really changed the, the, the direction of the, the trajectory of Living Hope Columbus. So much of what we do was birthed from this moment. Even talking about it breaks my heart. We were delivering beds one day. It was me, Pastor Joe, and I believe Jonathan was with us that day. And we walked up to this home just a few miles up the road from here. We could take you to the exact complex Today, we were met at the door of this home. We were bringing twin mattresses by a couple little boys, five, six years old at the max. We walked through the threshold of that door, carrying one of those twin mattresses, and little boy, five years old, threw his hand straight up in the air, and he shouted these words. I'll never forget them. They just totally impacted my heart. He said, I finally have a bed to sleep on. Five years old. How do you live in this part of Ohio at five years old, and you sleep on the floor? And when we heard that, like it changes you from the inside. And I knew in that moment, Pastor Joe and I knew that this church, that we were going to help people find and follow Jesus. But the way that we were going to do that was a very unique expression of serving people. And I've learned over the last five years, and I think we've seen this in our church, that the gospel tends to travel fastest on the backs of helping people. You see, our, our culture shifted a little bit. People don't care about our message anymore. We're seeing that in our nation. Christianity is not your grandfather's religion anymore. It's just not. It's changing. And if we want to have a voice in our culture these days, if we want to have an ear for people to hear the gospel message that we proclaim and that we believe and that we've given our lives to, then we have to figure out how are we going to do that. And at Living Hope, we've learned that the gospel travels fastest on the back of helping people. When we help people, we take the gospel with us. It's what he called us to do. It's what we were to be as a church. Here in Psalm 41, I want to throw us, show us three truths today. 
Three truths that we see in this passage where I think David is echoing our mission as a church to help people find and follow Jesus, specifically through serving people. Psalm 41 is a transition in the book of Psalms. If you have a hard copy of the scriptures and a pen, man, I'd put a little line uh, at the end of Psalm 41. It's a transition because Psalms, if you didn't know this, just a little context for you, is a book of the Bible, a book of poetry, uh, poetry and songs that's broken up into five different books. Psalm 41 is the end of the very first book in the book of Psalms. All 41 Psalms up to this point were written by King David. When you get to Psalm 42 and following, you're introduced to other writers of the Psalms. But these first 40, 41 Psalms were written by King David. What's interesting to me and why I love this Psalm is the first three verses here in Psalm 41 actually are very celebratory in nature. They're very celebratory in nature. David's tone here as he closes out these first 41, chap- <coughs> excuse me, 41 chapters is very celebratory. But I want us to look at these first three verses in Psalm 41 and give you some takeaway points today. So let's start back in verse 1. It'll be up on the screen, I believe. Right out of the gate, David starts, and I would circle this word in your copy of the Scriptures if you have that ability. David starts with the word happy. Happy is the one who is considerate of the poor. Your Bible might actually say, instead of the word happy, um, it might actually say the word blessed. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. I like that translation better. You guys know that I'm a CSB guy through and through. Some of y'all are like, we love the ESV. And then we got a couple King James people in here too, which we're proud of y'all. That's a way to stick strong, right? This is the one area where I feel like the CSB falls a little bit short. And I love that word blessed there instead of the word happy because I think that's a little bit of a better translation. The word blessed here in the context of the psalm is someone, you're blessed if you've gained divine favor. Basically, what David is telling us here in Psalm 41, specifically in verse 1, is, is there's an action that they've engaged in that has produced God's favor in their life. Look back at verse 1. David says, if I want to be blessed by God, what's the necessary action I have to take? This is important for us as living hope. Blessed is the one who is considerate of the poor. That's an important thing for us to think about today because what David is reminding us in this psalm is that when we're willing, as followers of Jesus, to take the attention and focus off of ourselves and onto the needs of other people, the blessing of God will follow in our lives. We saw that in Philippians 2, two years ago, where where, uh, uh, Paul reminded us to put on the mind of Christ and to adopt an attitude of humility. And we said that humility is when we think less of ourselves and more of other people. That's what we're called to do as Jesus followers. You want God's blessing on your life? Take the attention off of you and direct it on to other people. This is an important thing here too. And that word poor in verse one, right when we say the word poor, we get this mental image in our mind. We actually see that word used throughout the Old Testament scriptures, and it always refers to a different group of people. Sometimes it refers to those who are in um, some sort of financial need. Sometimes the poor is referenced to those who are orphans. Sometimes it's a reference to those who are physically sick. Sometimes it's a reference to widows. Sometimes it's a reference to the immigrant or the refugee. Some commentators would say this, that the word poor there that David uses in Psalm 41 references anybody who is ever in any kind of need. I'm going to go ahead and tell us, that's all of us. 
That at some point in time that they're in some sort of kind of need. And what are we called to do as God's people? Help. Serve. Love them. Three takeaways from these verses in Psalm 41. If you're a note taker, man, if you're a New Year's resolution type person next to your goal to drink more water, read your Bible, and lose 50 pounds, add these three next to it, all right? These are so important. First one is this. Who we are as a church. First, don't forget to see people this year. Don't forget to see people this year. The ESV, like I said a moment ago in this verse, Psalm 41.1 reads this. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In my Bible, I have that word considers underlined. I would encourage you to do the very same thing because I don't want us to miss this. There's a difference. I mean, this has been a life-changing truth for me. There's a difference between considering something and glancing at something. Isn't that true? There's a difference between considering something and, and glancing at something because when you glance at something, you don't have to see it. Think about that when your wife, uh, men, sends you to the refrigerator to go get the, the ketchup. And you're like... Babe, it's not in there, right? You just glance. It's not in there. And she comes and it was right where she told you it was every time. I don't know how that works. I think they do some sort of magic or something. But when, when, you, when you glance at something, it can cross your eyes, but you never actually see it. You can glance at something and it can cross your eyes, but never make its way to your heart. That's important. But when you actually consider something, you have to pay attention to it. When you actually consider someone, you have to pay attention to them. One thing that God always works on with me, y'all know this, I'm a type A task-driven personality that drives Pastor Joe nuts all the time, right? I'm guilty of not considering people. I can be so driven on my agenda, my plan, and the next thing that I need to get to that I miss the opportunities that are right before me. Sometimes, I caught myself doing this over the holiday break, I would arrive at a destination, this thing that I was supposed to do, and I couldn't stop thinking about the next place that I needed to be. I'm really bad at this, of just considering where I am and pausing and reflecting, not just glancing by, but being present in the moment. Can I encourage us in 2023, let's be a church, let's be Jesus followers that actually see people that we turn away from our own agendas and the things that we want and we turn our eyes outwards as Jesus would do onto other people. I'm reminded of Acts chapter three, Peter and John. You can turn there if you'd like to, Acts chapter three. The Bible says in Acts chapter three that Peter and John were going to the temple at three in the afternoon for a time of prayer. And while heading to the temple, they arrived at the temple and they met a man who was paralyzed from birth. The Bible says for years this man had been laid at the temple gate so he could beg for money from people that were entering the temple to worship. That was his only source of income, most likely. If I had to guess, the Bible gives the indication that he'd been there a long time. To the point where, if we had to assume maybe, he had probably become white noise to those who were entering and exiting the temple. Right? You hear something so much, you just you pass by it so much that you don't even see it anymore. I imagine that's what was going on with this man at the temple every day, doing the same thing, begging for money, asking for help. And every day as these Jews would come to worship, they would see him, and he'd be there begging, and he's always asking for money to the point where they just don't see him anymore. They're just passing by, not even giving him a glance. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 4, that as Peter and John were entering the, uh, the temple, 
that he asked them for money. Look at verse 3 and 4. Look at this interaction. So Peter, along with John, love this, looked straight at him and said, look at us. I remember a few years ago when I was reading through that story and it finally struck me. Can you imagine that moment for this man? Can you imagine that moment where he had sat at that temple for who knows how long and most people had passed him by. Most people had not even given him any attention. Maybe they threw a few coins his direction occasionally. But imagine this moment. When was the last time someone actually looked at him and gave him the time of day? When was the last time someone actually engaged him in physical interaction? When was the last time one of these followers of God heading to worship at the temple laid aside their schedule to actually consider this man. And we continue reading in Acts chapter 3 because these guys were willing to press pause on what they came to do and enter this man's world. This guy ended up meeting Jesus and he was healed. Y'all, if we want to make a difference in this world for years to come in the name of Jesus, we have to start laying aside our personal agendas and consider the needs of those around us. Man, what a resolution for 2023 that could be. I think back to a few years ago, we were doing some deliveries with our Finding Hope Center. We were at the last stop of the night. We were tired. Everybody was tired. We had to, that night, we had to carry couches up three flights of steps and around a corner to a late, I'm just going to tell you, that's the worst. That's when we start asking, you know what, maybe we should just close the Finding Hope Center because this is terrible. I hate carrying couches with sleeper sofas up three flights of stairs. You know, that's not fun. And we had done that to this one house. We were tired. We got to the last house. It was a family who had only been here. I think they had been here maybe two weeks or less. We just wanted to drop the items and leave. But they wanted us to stay. And I remember that interaction because as we're sitting there in their living room and these folks had nothing at this point in time, they'd only been here just a few short days, they simply wanted someone to pause and enter their world and to talk to them. We talked about faith, our faith in Jesus, their faith in a different religion, the differences between the two. We talked about culture, the difference in their culture from being from the Middle East, the difference in our culture being in the West. We talked about Domino's Pizza, found out they loved it. <laughs> Who knew? And two hours later, we left their home. And friends, you can see it in people's eyes. That when Jesus' followers are willing to step into their world and to look into their eyes and to listen to their words and to help them in their time of need, that's when you have the opportunity, especially in our culture these days, to make the biggest impact one thing that the Lord continues to wrestle with me in my mind, being that task-driven type A personality, is I need to make it a habit more often to walk slow, to listen deeply, and to stop rushing. Let's consider people. Here's our second point. Don't forget to love people. You say, Aaron, duh. Sometimes people are really hard to love. And it's easier just to move past them rather than love them. I love what Psalm 41 one here. This is actually um, the Old Testament equivalent of the great commandment in Matthew 22. So Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You've probably heard of the great commandment there. We're going to look at it here in just a second. So Psalm 41 one tells us that the evidence of God's favor on my life is what? It's considering the marginalized, considering the poor, considering those who are in need. 
What does Matthew 22, 37 through 40 tell me? That the evidence of my love for God is how well I love other people. It's impossible to not love people and to say you love God. It doesn't work. And if you love God, you have to love people. There in Matthew 22, you can look over in the scriptures if you'd like in your Bible. The Pharisees try to trap Jesus with a question. They say, what's the greatest commandment in all of the law? They were trying to get Jesus to undervalue a portion of Moses' law, and then in doing so, they could charge him with committing blasphemy, speaking wrongly against God. But what does Jesus do? He gives them a summation of the entire law instead. And what does he say? Matthew 22, 37 through 39, God's word says this. He said to him, so this is Jesus speaking to the religious leader. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest and the most important command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's a simple truth for us this morning. If I love Jesus, I will love people. They go hand in hand with one another. When I help people, my love for Jesus overflows from me. So if the great commandment is true, my love for Jesus should overflow to me loving other people. If, if we claim to be a congregation that loves the Lord our God with all of our hearts, our minds, our soul, and all of our strength, then the natural conclusion is that we should be a church that is mobilized to the marginalized, period. God's word said it, not Aaron. That's who we should be. You know, I've, I've learned the last few years, I said this last year, um, and, I, and I just, this is so true. This, please don't hear this in an offensive manner, but this is just a reminder from this passage. Um, if your Christian life is like super boring, it's your fault. You know, ever thought about that? See, I don't, I don't ever want to get caught in the rut of Christianity where the only thing I do is gather for worship. I give a portion of my, my income. I read my Bible. Right? I do those good, those are good things to do, by the way. But I don't want that to be where my, my walk with Jesus stops. I mean, if we're not participating in God's activity in the world around us, y'all, you're missing out on the John 10.10 abundant life that Jesus was talking about. One thing I love about Living Hope is that if you want to do cool things for the kingdom of God, stick around here for three weeks. You'll have an opportunity to. I mean, for, for some reason, God has chosen to use the people of this church to really make some interesting, significant, meaningful impacts for the kingdom of God. And I'm all for Bible reading. I'm all for corporate worship. I'm all for generosity. Those things help me love God more deeply. But if I love God more deeply and I'm not mobilized to the marginalized, I am missing God's calling on my life as a follower of Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew 23 if you have a copy of the scriptures. In Matthew 23, Jesus is telling a parable of judgment of mankind where he's going to separate the sheep from the goats in eternity. Jesus followers from everybody else. And he reminds them before, before he ushers them into eternity, these followers of Christ, he reminds them of this reality. This, this is another life-altering, life-shaping verse for us. Matthew 25, 35, and 36. Jesus tells these Jesus followers. I love this. He says, for, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. P.S., that sounds an awful lot like the poor in Psalm 41.1. See the parallels here? I was in prison, and you visited me. And listen to the response of these believers to Jesus. 
And then the righteous will answer him. Those, those, those of us who have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus through the repentance of sin. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or when were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When did we see, when did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and, and visit you? Lord, when did we do those things for you? Why didn't they see it? Because they were just doing what Jesus' followers do. Considering the poor, the widow, the immigrant, their neighbors, their friends, the marginalized, those in their circle, just loving people. Why? Because they'd been declared righteous by Jesus. And they loved God as a result. And because of that, they had no other life mission but to love people. They had to because they'd been extravagantly loved by God. Isn't that what Jesus' followers do? And what does Jesus say in verse 40 of Matthew 25? The king, that's a good word, will answer them. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Christian, I want to remind us today that when we serve the marginalized, we serve Jesus. When you serve someone in need, no matter what that need is, you're serving Jesus. Your love for Jesus compels you to do that. And when you do that, you're showing your love for Jesus. I remember a few years ago, we hosted a resurrection dinner at my home for, for Easter. It's one of my favorite things we've ever done as a church family. Had about 40 to 50 people over from all kinds of countries, Algeria, Egypt, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Jordan, India, all from Muslim, Hindu, and Sikh backgrounds. I loved when everybody was parking in my neighborhood. I lived in a, a court, cul-de-sac, whatever y'all call it. So, I don't know, what, what do y'all call that? A court? Cul-de-sac? Yeah, I can tell the people that are from the country. A cul-de-sac, right? Down here in the city, we call that a court. But anyways, I remember in that court, and you could see all these people parking all, I mean, just all over my neighborhood. And everybody's getting out in their very, very, like, authentic Middle Eastern attire. And you see all my neighbors, like, peeking out their blinds, like, what is, what's the pastor doing over there? What's that guy got going on? And then so many from our church came that evening, and we shared a meal together. And our friend shared the gospel with that room of people. And we just loved. Why? Because we've been extravagantly loved by Jesus. And we have no other option. I went into my backyard. There was a young man probably in his early 30s back there with his little boy. And this was during the time that they were sharing the gospel. I saw him back there and I walked out and he, he said, I got a question for you. Why are you guys doing this? Why did you invite all these strangers over? Why did your your church do this for all of these people. And I told him, I said, because most of the people here are Jesus followers. And they just wanted to love and serve people in our community. And I'll never forget what that young man, still friends with him today. Here's what he told me. He said, I've lived in the United States for 20 years. Think about this with me for a second. He said, this is the first time that a Westerner has ever allowed me into their home and the first time that a Christian has ever talked to me. May God help us. We are called, if we love Jesus, to love people. We have to. It's not a choice. We have to run to the darkness with the gospel and we rescue people. Let's not forget that in 2023. And then here's the very last one as we begin to close Last one is, let's not miss blessing in this year. Let me explain what I mean by that. And take note of verses 2 and 3 in Psalm 41. 
David makes some very interesting statements here in those verses. He says, the Lord will save him in the day of adversity. The Lord will keep him and preserve him. He'll be blessed in the land. You'll not give him over to his enemies. The Lord will sustain him on his sickbed. Those are the blessings of verse 1. Now, we could take those verses and really abuse them and make some false claims about the Lord. I'm not going to do that this morning. What's David remind us in verse 1? That when we consider the poor, we consider those in need, that we're blessed by God. Here's the temptation for, for most of us. I know this is a temptation for me, maybe not you. Is we, we begin to think to ourselves, like, uh, if you drive down Solmo Road, it seems like on Solmo Road, as you get down towards Bethel Road, there's a lot of panhandlers on the side of the road for some reason. And I know I have a temptation where it's like, all right, man, I got this $5 bill in my pocket. I'm going to pull up, and I'm going to give this guy the $5 bill. And I do that, and you feel good about yourself. And then there's the temptation, for me at least, is to go, all right, God, now, what are you going to do for me? Lord, I, I helped someone today. God, how are you going to bless me because I was a blessing to them? Lord, I blessed them, so somehow you got to bless me, right? Because that's what the Bible like, seems to say from what I'm reading. I think sometimes we misunderstand the blessing of God. I mean, let, me, let me explain this to us. In the Scriptures, there's two blessings that we see, the blessing of God. There's immediate blessings and there's delayed blessings. There are times, we see this in the Bible, where you will be obedient to the Lord, you'll be obedient to the Word, and your life in response will be immediately blessed. You know what we call that? Grace. Where something like good comes your way, something happens to you, and the only response in that moment, don't pat yourself on the back, don't go, man, I'm awesome, and because I'm awesome, God just did something for me. No. You were considerate of the poor, expecting nothing in return, P.S. And what did God do? He extended grace to you, and he said, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to bless you quickly. But there's also times we see in the scriptures where you're obedient to the Lord, you help other people, you serve the poor, you work with the marginalized, all of these things, and nothing happens. That seems to happen more often than not. Think about Matthew chapter 25. All of those people, the righteous ones as the Lord calls them, they were helping people throughout their life, serving the poor, giving clothing to the naked, giving water to the thirsty, food to the hungry, with no expectation of getting anything in return. It wasn't until they crossed over into eternity that they received the ultimate blessing. What was it? Matthew 25, 34, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know, the blessing that you get is Jesus forever, and that's enough. We serve people because we've been extravagantly loved by Jesus. That's it. We don't expect anything in return. We don't serve people because we get something out of it. We've already received eternity with Jesus. And now my life overflows with gratitude. Now, I say at our church all the time, we're living in the middle of a miracle. Let's be honest. There's times we've seen the immediate blessing of God in this church for reasons that we cannot explain. I know often it stems from because the people in our church choose to love other people. And God and his grace, not because we're awesome, God in his grace chooses to bless us in some ways. It seems like almost every Sunday I could get up here and share with you guys story after story of God's grace and what he's blessing us with and all this stuff. But I want us to understand too, delayed blessing. 
Delayed blessing of God. Immediate blessings are awesome, but delayed blessings are what we need to fight for this year as a church. Because what makes my heart like pump, what makes my heart like ache, is the delayed blessing of God. Because I always think to myself, man, we, we delivered that couch to that family, and we were able to pray with that family, and then we leave and we feel defeated, like, oh man, God, did we really do anything? And the Lord says, I thought I said that my word doesn't return void. Don't, don't underestimate what I can do in their life. It's not up to you. You just be obedient and trust me for the results. Oh, Lord, we went to the Powell Festival and we passed out 500 of these VBS invitation cards. Lord, I, but only 50 kids came to VBS. My gosh, was that really worth it? What's the Lord remind us of? It's not up to us. You walk in obedience out of the overflow of your love for Jesus, and we trust Him for the results. I know with all of my heart, Living Hope, that there will be people on our right and our left in the kingdom of God in all eternity that are there because you all chose to be considerate of those who are in need. And we might not see the fruit of that this year. We might not see the fruit in five years or ten years. But when we cross over into eternity, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there will be people there who say, I'm here because you were at that festival, because you brought that couch, because you stopped and talked to me in the grocery store, because you invited me to church. You let God do what only God can do with that. That's the good stuff. That's the delayed blessing. That's the heavenly stuff that we fight for. That's why we help people. Blessed are those, David says in Psalm 41:1, who consider the poor and the widow and the orphan and the immigrant and the refugee and the single mom and the friend who had a tough week and the neighbor who needs a shoulder to lean on. Blessed are those people. Because the gospel travels fastest on the back of helping people. Hey, here's what I'd like to do today as we close. Just as worshiping is a pretty awesome way to start out a new year, what if we closed our our, our worship gathering this morning by praying together as a church? And so what I'd ask us to do as our worship team comes and leads us in this last song, um, can we just pray for our church family in this coming year? Pray that we would be a church that is considerate of those around us, a church that doesn't move hastily but walks slowly through crowds, a church that has eyes open to see those around us, whether that be our neighbor, whether that be a coworker. I don't know who it could be. But Lord, would you give us eyes to see those around us, Lord, and courage to be a gospel people when we pause and consider others. And so as, as we've done a few times around here, if you grew up in Uh, Old-time Baptist churches, we used to call the front of the stage the altar, where I grew up. And the altar was simply a place where God's people could come and pray. Uh, And just, it was a a sacred place in our churches growing up. And so if you're comfortable and you'd like to, as our praise team leads us in this last song, if you want to come down front and pray, I'll be down here praying for a minute or two. If you want to just sit there in your seat and pray, if you want to just stand and sing and offer your voice of worship as a, a prayer to God, let's do that too. Um, But I would just love, as we close out this first gathering, January 1, 2023, to just close in a posture of prayer and just asking God to guide us as a church family in this coming year. So let me pray for us first before our praise team leads us. God, we love you. 
We thank you for your word. I've got to thank you that your word is alive, that your word is relevant, that your word is speaking, that your word cuts us to our very hearts. God, I know that even this morning as I've walked through this passage that you're continuing to, to teach me through this. So God, I pray whatever you have spoken to each one of us this morning would make its way from our ears to our hearts today and change us from the inside out. God, I pray now as we just cry out to you as a church family, whether we're here in this space today, maybe we're watching online or watching later, God, you in your kindness have decided to show us grace that we can't explain as a congregation. And God, your word says to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, you will exalt us. And so, God, we want to come to you in a posture of humility this morning, knowing that anything good happening around us or through us as a church is because you're choosing to do so. But God, we want to walk in obedience this year. And so, God, I pray that as we lift our voices to you, that you would tune your ear from heaven to hear us. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.